Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. And right now in our podcast, we are exploring one of those strange words that you really only hear used around the church, and that word is gospel. Now, last week we talked about the fact that the gospel means good news, and we talked about the beginning of that good news of Jesus for us. And the first bit of that good news is that God loves you. God really loves you. God seriously loves you. Well, this week we're going to be digging a little bit deeper into what it means for God to love us, and we're going to see why we don't always get to experience the fullness of God's love. So with all that in mind, let's get right into this episode's sermon. So last week we started talking about one of those strange words that you only ever hear used around the church, and that's the word gospel. But even though you never really hear the word gospel used outside of the church, it is essential to the church. And that's because the gospel is why we get together to worship God every week. The gospel is why we get to have a relationship with God to begin with. So what is the gospel? Well, the word gospel literally means good news. But in the church, it refers specifically to the good news of Jesus. And we started talking about what that good news is last Sunday by taking a closer look at John 3.16, one of the most familiar verses in the entire Bible, because it tells us what the good news of Jesus is in a nutshell. So here's what John 3.16 says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So that's the good news of Jesus. In a nutshell. But we need to go deeper than that to understand what the gospel really is. So last week we started taking a closer look at this verse, John 3.16, to see what it tells us about the good news. And the first good news that you find in this verse is that God loves you. God loves you. And that's good news because real love, well, it's not easy to find. And all of us have a fear deep down inside that if the people that we are the closest to knew the real us, that they would want nothing to do with us. But the good news of Jesus is that God loves the real you and God accepts the real you. Now, this morning, we're going to go a little bit further into this verse. And specifically, we're going to be taking a look at that word perishing that comes toward the end of the verse. But before we get into that, I want to spend some more time today talking about what it means for God to love you. And I want to do that because when John 3.16 says that God loves you, it doesn't mean that God loves you the same way that you love tacos. And it doesn't mean that God loves you the same way that you love your dog. And it doesn't mean that God loves you the same way that you love a board game. So I want to spend our time together this morning talking about what it means for God to love us. And to do that, I want to go back to the beginning of our story with God. And I want to go back to the book of Genesis in our Bible. Now, Genesis is the beginning of the Bible. It's the very first book in the Bible, and that's actually why we call it Genesis. The word Genesis means beginning. So inside of the book of Genesis, we're going to find stories about beginnings. In Genesis 1, we're going to find the story about the beginning of creation. And in Genesis chapter 2, which we'll be reading from this morning, we find the story about the beginning of humanity. And we'll learn what it means for us to really be loved by God. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 2 together. And our story for today is going to pick up in verse 4, where we're told this. 
On the day the Lord God made earth and sky, before any wild plants appeared on the earth, and before any crops grew, because the Lord God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth, and there was still no human being to farm the fertile land, though there was a stream that arose from the earth and watered all of the fertile land, the Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. In these four verses, we hear where humanity comes from. We hear that we're not some sort of cosmic accident. We hear that we we didn't just magically appear. We hear that we're not just a compilation of cells. Instead, we hear that we come from God. And we don't just come from God. We also hear in this passage that God formed us from the topsoil of the fertile land, and he blew life's breath into our nostrils. So we are formed by God. And we are made by God's own hands. And whenever I hear that we're formed by God's own hand, I can't help but think about all of the times that I've sat down to play with Play-Doh with my daughter. Now, Hannah's gotten a little bit older, so we don't play with Play-Doh as much these days as we used to. But whenever the two of us used to sit down to play with Play-Doh, we weren't just making a mess together. We were playing with a purpose. You see, my daughter, she always had something in mind that she wanted me to create whenever we were playing with Play-Doh. Now, sometimes she'd want me to make like a cat or a dog, or sometimes she'd want me to make a giraffe or maybe an elephant. You know, somehow I never could convince her to just let me make her a snake out of that Play-Doh. But whatever it was that she asked me to make, I had to spend a little bit of time thinking about how I was going to go about making it. So when she wanted me to make an elephant... I would have to think about how I was going to roll that Play-Doh to make the torso of the elephant. And I'd have to think about how I was going to shape the ears for that elephant. And I'd have to think about how long the the trunk was going to be for that elephant. And then I'd work meticulously to make her an elephant out of Play-Doh. Because my daughter could be a pretty harsh critic, and she wouldn't hesitate to tell me, Daddy, that doesn't look like an elephant. And then she'd ask me to start all over again. And this is what I imagine it was like when God made you. Part of what it means for God to love you is that God sit down and thought about exactly how he was going to make you. God thought about how tall you were going to be or how short you would be. God thought about what color your hair and what color your eyes would be. But that's not all. God also thought about the things that you would like and the things that you would dislike. God thought about what you would be passionate about and what you would be indifferent to. God thought about exactly how he would make you who you were meant to be. And then God went about the meticulous work of forming you, of crafting you, of shaping you and making you into exactly who you are. And when God did it, he got it just right. God got it just right when he made you. That's why in one translation of Ephesians 2 verse 10, the Apostle Paul, the foremost missionary and theologian of the first century, tells us, You are God's masterpiece. Now think about that for a minute. You are God's masterpiece. Has anybody ever called you a masterpiece before? Now, I've had a few people tell me that I'm a real piece of work, but I have never had anyone tell me that I am a masterpiece. But that's what God says about me, and that's what God says about you. And since you are God's masterpiece, since God formed you with his own hands, God knows why he created you. That's right. 
God loves you so much that not only did he create you, but God also has a purpose for why he created you. And as we continue reading in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to see why that is. In Genesis 2 verse 8, we're told, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and put there the human he had formed. In the fertile land, the Lord God grew every beautiful tree with edible fruit, and also he grew the tree of life in the middle of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, skipping down to verse 15, we're told, The Lord God took the human and settled him in the garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. What these verses tell us is that God didn't just create you with his own hands for no good reason. God didn't just make you because he was bored and he had a little bit of time to kill before his next Zoom meeting started. God made you on purpose and for a purpose. God made you on purpose and for a purpose. And in this passage, the human was created to farm and to care for the land that God had created. But obviously, that's not something that we're all called to do. And I got to tell you, that's a good thing because I'm the kind of guy that can kill an artificial plant. So if God wanted me to farm the land and to care for the land that he created, everything around us would be dead. So God isn't merely calling the human he just created to be a farmer. What God is doing is calling this person to care for what God has just created. So God created you to join in his work. God loves you so much that he wants you to be a part of what he is doing in our world. Now think about that for just a second. God created you to join in his work. God created you to join in his work. God didn't just make you with his own hands, and God didn't just breathe life into your nostrils. God created you to join in his work. Now, when I was a kid, I had an uncle who was an amazing woodworker. He had a big old shop out behind his house with more tools in it than Home Depot. He had jigsaws and bandsaws. He had planers and he had jointers. But my personal favorite thing that he had in that shop was a lathe. Now, for those of you that don't know what a lathe is, a lathe is kind of like a rotisserie for wood. It's a tool that spins a block of wood around and around in circles. And a master craftsman can take a chisel to that spinning wood and he can turn it into an intricate table leg, an impressive baseball bat. Or in my uncle's case, he turned a solid piece of wood into a casing for an ink pen. And when I was younger, I loved watching my uncle work. Whenever we went to visit my family, I just couldn't wait to go out and check out a shop and pull up a stool and see what he was going to create next. And then one day, when I was about 10 years old or so, my uncle asked me to join him in his work. So he pulled over my stool and he sat it up beside the lathe. He placed the chisel in my hands and he guided my hands toward the spinning piece of wood as it rotated in circles. And he helped me to slowly move that chisel up and down that block of wood until little by little the wood was carved away and an ink pen casing began to form. And in my mind, that was the coolest thing ever. My uncle invited me to help him with his work. And together we created something amazing. And that's what God does for you. God created you to pull up your stool and join him in the work that he's doing. And God knows that together, the two of you can do something amazing. But God didn't just create you to be something. And God didn't just create you to do something. God also loves you so much that he prepared a perfect place for you to do it. 
In the story in Genesis 2, God created the human to join God in his work by being a farmer, and God put the human in the perfect place to farm. God put him in the Garden of Eden, a rich and fertile land that God had already planted. And God does the same thing for us. God knows what you were created to be. God knows what you were created to do. So God has prepared an ideal environment for you to flourish in. And why why did God do all of this? Why did God create you with an identity and a mission and an ideal position? Well, God does it for the same reason that God did everything in Genesis chapter 2. And in verse 16, this is what we're told. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all of the garden's trees. God gives you an identity. God gives you a mission and God gives you a position because God loves you. And God wants the best for you. In this verse, God wants the human to eat his fill. Or in the Gospel of John, John's account of the life of Jesus, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. God loves you so much that he wants you to have an abundant life. God loves you so much that he wants your life to be filled with life. God loves you so much that he wants your life to be filled with hope and peace and joy and love. God wants your life to be filled with purpose and meaning. God loves you so much that he wants your life to make a difference. And God knows the only way for your life to be this abundant, this full of life, is to have an identity, a mission and a position that is given to you by your Creator. But how many of us can say that we have this kind of abundant life? How many of us can say that we have a life that is full of life? How many of us can say that we have a life that is filled with hope, peace, joy, and love? How many of us can say that our lives are filled with purpose and with meaning? Truth is, many of us can't. But why is that? I mean, if God wants you to have this abundant life, then why isn't your life filled with all of these things and more? Well, here's the thing. God doesn't just give you an identity, a mission, and an ideal position. God also gives you a choice. God gives you a choice. You're not a robot. You have the free will to choose if you will become who God created you to be, if you will do what God created you to do, and if you will do it where God wants you to do it. And this is a choice that we as people, we face from the very beginning. We see this again in the book of Genesis. Just a few minutes ago, we read a passage from Genesis chapter 2 and we saw, we saw that God created humanity on purpose and for a purpose. And that's for us to have this abundant life. But God gives us a choice in the matter. He does. God gives us a choice in the matter. And instead of following the path that God wants us to follow, the path that leads us to an abundant life, we can choose to follow another path. We can choose to follow a path that leads us to death. Here's the way that God outlines that choice for us in Genesis 2, verse 17. God tells us, But don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on the day you eat from it, you will die. So God gave us our options. We can follow his purpose and plan for our life and live a life that is filled with abundance, or we can choose another path, a path that leads away from life, a path that leads to death. So which path did the first people pick? 
Well, now's a good time to jump ahead a little bit in the story and go to Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, this is what happens. We're told the snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat uh, the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, Don't eat from it and don't touch it, or you will die. The snake said to the woman, You won't die. God knows that on the day that you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious fruit and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and she ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So from the beginning, God gave us the chance to choose to have a life that is full of life. But we chose another path. We chose a path that leads us away from life. We chose a path that leads to death. We have a term for that choice in church. We call it sin. But sin is one of those words that we use around the church that a lot of us don't really understand. So you might say that sin is something that you do that's wrong. Or you might say that sin is breaking one of the Ten Commandments. But those are only partial definitions at best. So let me help you out. Let me help you out a little bit to better understand what sin really is. Sin is anything that separates you from God or God's purpose for your life. Sin is anything that separates you from God or God's purpose for your life. And we all sin. We all do things that separate us from God and God's purpose and plans for our life. That means that we are all sinners. The Apostle Paul, he drives this home for us when he writes a letter to the churches in the ancient city of Rome. He writes to them explicitly saying, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So who has sinned? All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. And our decision to sin, our decision to do things that separate us from God, well, those decisions have consequences. As Paul writes a little bit later on in his letter to the churches in Rome, the wages of sin are death. The price we pay when we choose sin is the price of death. That's what John 3.16 is referring to when it uses that word perish. It's referring to the fact that we have all chosen sin and that the price of our sin is death. But I want to take a minute to talk about what this death means. Because this isn't just a death that we experience on the other side of our physical life, on the other side of eternity. This is also a death that we experience every day of our lives. Now remember what I told you earlier. God wants you to have an abundant life. So when you choose to follow another path, you miss out on this life that is full of life. And if your life isn't full of life, then what is it full of? It's full of death. So if your life isn't full of hope, of peace, of joy and love, if your life isn't filled with purpose and meaning, if your life isn't making a difference and bringing life to other people, well, it's because you've been separated from God. Now let me pause here for just a minute because I want to take the time to make sure that you hear what I'm really saying, what I'm actually saying here. When I say that God wants you to have an abundant life, I'm not saying that God wants to make you rich. 
And I'm not saying that God will make sure that you never have another problem in your life. And I'm not saying that when you're, that everything in your life is going to be perfect. What I'm saying is that God wants your life to be full of the things that give life, not things that take life. So no matter how close you are to God, your life is going to have some ups and downs. No matter how close you are to God, you're going to hit some rough patches along the way. But even, but even when you have these downs, even when you hit these rough patches, God still wants your life to be filled with things that give life, like hope, peace, joy, and love, instead of things that take life from you. And if your life isn't filled with things that give life, well, it's because you've been separated from the God that wants you to have this abundant life. Now, I know that none of this sounds like good news. And that's what we're talking about, right? I mean, all that you've heard today is that God wants you to have an abundant life, but because of the choices that you've made in your life, you have sinned and you've been separated from God, so you can't have this abundant life that you were created to have. That doesn't sound like good news. But I told you earlier that the word gospel, it means good news. So where's the good news here? Where's the good news? Well, the good news is that the story doesn't end here. God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to be separated from him and from the abundant life that he wants for you forever. So next week, we're going to be talking about what God does to make sure that you aren't separated from him forever. We're going to talk about what God does to make sure that you can still have that abundant life. But for right now, I just want you to, rem I just want you to remember how much God loves you. I want you to think about everything that God wants for you. And I want you to start realizing everything that God did for you to make all of this possible. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the message that we have heard today and for what it means for you to truly love us, God. You love us so much that you made each one of us. You created us with our own unique identities, God. And you didn't make a mistake when you made any of us. And God, you love us so much that it wasn't just enough that you made us, but God, you also gave us a mission in this world. And you love us so much that you created a place where we can live out this mission. But God, we've been separated. We've been separated from the identity, the mission, and the position that you've given us in our lives because of the choices that we've made. We've been separated by the sin that we have, God. So my prayer today, my prayer is that you help all of us to realize that we, that's why we're not living out the abundant life that you have called us for, the, the life that you've created us to have. We're missing out on that abundant life because we've been separated from you, God. So help us to realize how much we need you in our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and thanks for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that today's episode has helped you realize what God wants for your life, but I also hope that it's shown you why you don't always have a life that is filled with the things that God wants for you. 
Now, in our next episode, we're going to continue to talk about what God does for us, continue to talk about the gospel, and see what God has done to allow us to return to the life that he wants for us. So tune back in next Sunday afternoon for the next episode of our podcast. And to do that, if you haven't subscribed yet, just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast, and it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And I also want to do something that I don't do very often right now. I want to invite you to join us online as we continue to worship live together during a time of social distancing. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church's website. That website is mhbclouisville.com, and if you add in slash live, you'll be taken straight to our live service. So I'd love to see you join us next Sunday morning live for our worship service, and of course you can always catch us on our podcast that drops every Sunday afternoon. So we until I see you the next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.